Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, today, Hannah, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Today, um, I believe, put the title up of the message, Preparing for a Revival. This is what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. Um, But something that you said, and I want to even take it a step further. He said that the people of the world, their hearts are so hardened and I want to show you, share, with, share with you something that the Lord has shown me. It's not only the people of the world whose hearts are hardened, it's actually the people of God whose hearts are hardened as well. The church. The church. You know that revival actually has nothing to do with the lost. I mean, let me say this. The lost being saved is a product of revival, but you know who revival is actually for? It's for the church. Because revival means, think about the word revive. If you're reviving somebody or resuscitating somebody, something that was once alive has died and you're reviving it back. You're resuscitating it back to life. Well, those that are lost, they've never been alive. They're dead in their sin until they repent and receive Jesus Christ. Right? So revival, you can't, they've never been alive. Revival is actually not focused on them. Revival is focused on the church. God breathing life back into His church and resuscitating the body of Christ. And then what happens when the church comes alive, souls begin to get saved and communities become touched. Are y'all with me? This is what revival is. The church coming alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have a word I want to share with you. Turn to Acts chapter 2. You know, and and I want to tell you guys, there's probably people that would come into a service like this. And if they're in the flesh, it's not the most attractive thing. But I do it on purpose. You know, the Lord's just been turning my heart more and more away from the fog machines and the special effects and the big... Guys, I don't want that. I want a Christianity and a Holy Ghost that would work if I was dropped in the middle of the desert in Saudi Arabia. If I was dro- if the Lord teleported me or translated me right now to a village in a third world country that's never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want a Holy Ghost that will work there. Right, that doesn't only work if we create the atmosphere and the fog machines with the lights down and some clever little prop for you to come up and kick around a little bit and feel better. No, I want I want a Holy Ghost that will work anywhere and everywhere. And that's what I press for. That's what I that's what I'm pressing for in this church. Hallelujah. That's why we do these things, you, you know. I have no problem like investing in it's not about a money thing. It's about I want the real God. Yes, sir. 
I don't want man-made Hollywood production that, that just make people mentally ascend to God. I want people to experience the power of the Holy Ghost. And I think that you can't experience that till you really strip. Because I want to tell you, most of the places that people, oh man, that was just so awesome. Man, it's because you went to a movie for two hours that you enjoyed. A Christian Broadway production. That was great. Strip all that stuff away. Strip all that stuff away. Are y'all with me? Yes. And what do you have? And I'll also say this as well. There's, like, I'm not, I'm not uh, worried about it. There's a certain kind of spirit I don't want around this church. I want to tell you, I want lost people filling this church. I want people that would be classified as a sinner filling this church, but I don't want religious devils in this church. I don't want it. I had a person on Facebook, they were coming at me and, oh my gosh, you know, the Facebook prophets and uh, he tried to make it, it was a kid I went to Bible college with, he tried to make a dig to me. He said, I would never come to your church. And I said, hallelujah, because I wouldn't want you to come to my church. I'll tell you, you came to my church, like, you, you're, you wouldn't come along because we just wouldn't like each other at all. <laughs> Hallelujah. Christians, guys, we're not called to tolerate the devil. We're not called to appease the devil. We're not called to play, friend, to play games and be friends with the devil. We've got to get that out. We've got to get that. I'm going to tell you, there was a kind of spirit that Peter and the, and the early church didn't put up with. Ananias and Sapphira, they had a deceitful spirit that would have spread like yeast throughout the whole church that was just birthed in Jerusalem. And what did Peter do? You know, they, they came deceitfully to Peter with an offering, lied about it. Peter, oh, well, you know, let's not say anything about it. No, he called it out. And, by the, and literally by the glory and power of God, they dropped down dead at his feet. And then they drug them out in front of everywhere and in front of everyone. And the Bible says fear swept through the entire church. You know, there's just a certain spirit that us as Christians, we can't tolerate and we can't play games with. Amen. Amen. You know, you think about that. Well, was Jesus really that way? Yeah, the Jesus that made whips and went into the temple and started flipping over tables. I'm not talking about lost people. I'm not talking about People that are prostitutes and drug addicts and they're broken and they need Jesus Christ. That's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the religious devils that actually want nothing to do with Jesus, but they profit off of His name. I don't want anything to do with that. Are y'all with me? And I don't know half the Christians, man. I mean, seriously. How half, half the Christians can even tolerate being a part of something like that. I made the statement before. I said, if I, wasn't a, if I wasn't a pastor, I want to tell you right now that if the church that I was going to shut down last year, I would, I would never go to that church again. Unless, unless there was like open repentance. Is somebody trying to come in? Come on in. How do we see stuff like that happen and just turn, to, and turn a blind eye to it? How do we see stuff like that happen in the body of Christ? People compromise. Y'all, I want to tell you, I cannot stand 
to hear one more message of a person jumping up and screaming and shouting and they got all the ambition in the world and talking about how there's no devil that can stand against the child of God and there's no spirit that's equal to the child of God, but then you shut your church down last year. How can you say that? You don't really believe it. Guys, what I'm telling you is there has to become an intolerance in the spirit of a belief. We don't tolerate these things anymore. A zealousness for the Word of God and for the Spirit of God and for the things of God. Everybody that's been in small groups, you've been reading that book, but Kenneth E. Hagin, he talked about trading the gold for brass. The fake for what's real. Anyways, let's look at Acts chapter 2. This is entitled Preparing for Revival. If you were here Wednesday night, I talked about the fire of the Holy Ghost and talked about revival and what its purpose is and what it does. Um, But I just want all of us to be prepared for for what the Lord is doing. So let me just kind of show you this as well. If you've been around any kind of church circle or you've been to this church, you've heard people jump and scream and shout and say, there's a move of God that's coming that's so big, nobody's ever seen anything like it. Anybody ever heard something like that recently? Yeah, that's great and wonderful. But I want you to see it in the Scriptures. Because I want to tell you, you can't bet your life off of something that somebody else said. Right? You can't run into 2022 off of a word that somebody jumped and shout and got excited for and you heard and okay, I guess that's what we're doing. No, you have to see it in the Word of God. You can only build your life on the Word of God. So I want to come underneath that word, which is correct. That word is 100% correct, but I want to show you the Scripture of why we know that must take place. And I want to say this as well. If you believe that Christ is coming back in our lifetime, then that means that, that a mighty move of God that, that's never happened before has to take place in our lifetime before He can return. And I'm going to show you how the Bible prophesied it in several different places and how the Word of God never returns void. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what, I'm, what, I'm, what are we trying to do? Prepare the way. God sent John the Baptist before Jesus to prepare the way for His ministry. What am I doing right now this morning? I'm trying to prepare the way for the move of God. Acts 2, look at 14 through 21. It says, Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd and said, Listen carefully, all of you. Follow Jesus. And resident, I'm sorry, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. It's nine o'clock in the morning. It's much too early for that. No, what you're seeing was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Say, in the last days. So what's interesting is, let me just kind of show you this as well. They heard the 120 that were in that upper room praying in other tongues. They heard it coming out of that room. And so people, crowds of people begin to gather around and say, what's going on? Are you guys drunk? What's happening? And Peter said, no, what you actually see before your eyes today is a fulfillment of what Joel said in Joel chapter 2. Okay, so I want you to understand this as well. What Peter is talking about 
is, was not only an explanation of what they were seeing before their very eyes, it was also a prophecy of what must happen before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, I'll pour in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit even on my servants, your men and women alike. And they will prophesy. Say prophesy. Prophesy. Look at verse 19. I'll cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire, clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want you to highlight that part. The, 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 the way that you know that this is actually talking about For Peter, it was a future prophecy because of that little segment right there, verse 19 through 21. And this is what will happen. So he said, this is what you'll see, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all flesh, men, women, young, old. I'll pour out my spirit on them and they will prophesy. And then I'll cause wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire, clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. You see that? I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 24. Look at verse 29 through 30. Look at verse 28. Actually, it says, uh, Just as the gathering of vultures show that there is a carcass nearby, So these signs indicate that the end is near. If you read Matthew 24, the whole chapter is about the signs of the second coming of Christ. Remember in Matthew 24, Jesus said, no man knows the hour or the day, but you'll be able to tell the season when you see these things taking place. So the whole chapter is dedicated to signs leading up to the second coming of Christ. And so he goes on to say, Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will become darkened. Wow, isn't that what we just read in Acts chapter 2? The moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And, And then at last, the sign of the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And then they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Hallelujah. So that means, I want you to get this. Everything in the Bible, there's always a picture of it that that we see take place before the actual event occurs. You always see that. I'll give you an example of right now. Revelation chapter 13 says that, that the Antichrist will come into power and, and he will require everyone, small or great, rich or poor, to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. And nobody can buy or sell anything without that mark, which is the number of the beast or, or his name or the number representing the beast. So look at what's happening right now in the world we, with these with these vaccine passports and different things. I'm not a Christian that's going to tell you, well, that's the mark of the beast. No, but it's an impression of it before the actual event takes place. It's a type of it. It's the same spirit that's at work that's constantly doing these things. Because I want to tell you as well, you have to understand, 
As far as that goes, the devil doesn't know the hour of the return of Christ. The hour, the, the devil doesn't know his appointed hour because the Bible says the church will be raptured and then there will be seven years of tribulation on this earth where the devil will be able to do what he wants on the earth without the church limiting his power. Okay? So the devil doesn't know what day that's going to take place. So what do you see all throughout history? The devil just trying his hand. Is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? Trying to access that timeline and bring forth, bring that into pass. That's why you see these things taking place. That's why, why did you see in World War II a man rise up that wanted one world government, one world economy, hated the Jews persecuted God's people, wanted to destroy Israel. What? Why? That's that spirit. That's the devil because he doesn't know the appointed time. He, he puts his hand. But guys, I want to tell you, he can only do what the church allows. That's right. You understand that? He can only do what God allows. No, nope, he can only do what the church allows. There's a lot of things that have taken place that God never allowed that or permitted that. The church allowed it. Because, uh, because of our uh, complacency. Hey, we're going to take prayer out of schools. Okay, no one show up to vote. No one show up to... No one have prayer meetings and, and start preaching from your pulpits that this is demonic and we must stand against this. This cannot happen. Nope, the church got complacent went to sleep. Now what, what happened? We got the spirit of the world in our education system. 60 years have gone by. And now we're sitting here asking God, what happened, God? What happened? What do you mean what happened? What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You're the government. You're the ecclesia of this earth. All things have been given unto you. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Didn't the Bible say, Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's right. That actually means that, the, that hell has no power over the church. It has no power over the church. It can only go as far as the church will allow. But guys, can I tell you, there's more people that are a part of this. Why do I preach messages like this? Because I, just because our church makes a stand, we can have impact, but we can't have the national. We, we can't. We're not. This church is not the national governing body of Christ of the United States of America. All of the churches together come together and make up the temple of, of God. So that's why we need unity. That's why, why do you say these things that are so abrasive? And sometimes, John, it seems like you say the same thing. Why do you keep bringing up the shutdowns? Why do you keep bringing that up? Because we have people that watch our broadcast that we need to get unified. You need to understand that spirit that's at work. And we need to get on the same page. And we need to start moving forward so that the church can bind the gates of hell and see the Word of God come to pass in our generation. Why can't we all just be friends and let them do what they're going to do? I'm not stopping them. I'm not busting into anybody's services and screaming you know, while they're at their pulpits. But I hope that I put a distaste for a certain spirit in the people that come to these services. Where you just go somewhere else and you hear some things and you say, you know what, that just doesn't sit well with me anymore. 
In the past, I could go and, and hallelujah, amen. We could do the Christian hokey pokey and it'd fly right over my head and I wouldn't even think about it. But now there's a spirit on the inside of you where there's a disgust. There's a, a distaste for the hand of the devil in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what's amazing, we were talking about those types and shadows before the event takes place. Acts chapter 2, when you read about the day of Pentecost, that was actually just a foreshadowing of the great revival that's going to take place before the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, so what is this revival going to look like, guys? It's going to look like Pentecost across the whole earth. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why I've been prophesying words like I know the Holy Ghost is going to visit the Baptist church because they have a part to play and it's going to look like Pentecost in the last days. It ain't going to look like let's just all sit here and nobody speak in tongues and nobody do. No, it ain't going to look like that. It's going to look like Acts chapter 2, outpouring in Jerusalem, Holy Ghost, Pentecost. The day of Pentecost. But it ain't going to be confound to Jerusalem. It's going to be upon all flesh. Pentecost in the United States of America. I'm not talking about Pentecostal. I'm not talking about a denomination. I'm talking about the outpouring that took place in Acts 2 at the day of Pentecost. Yeah. It's going to look like Pentecost in Europe. Pentecost in Africa. Pentecost in Canada and South America. You know why? It, it, so when you study the scriptures, it's in, the, the seeker sensitive movement will not be a part of that. So right now, there's even churches that you, you have to decide. It's not that the Lord's counted you out and cut you off, but you have to decide. You're going to move with the things of God. Are you going to stick with seeker sensitivity? Because if you do, you'll be cut off and you won't be a part of what God's doing on the earth. Are y'all listening to me? Because I'm telling I can see your faces. And when you guys are wondering and like, listen to what I'm saying. You guys act like I'm not looking at you. I can see your faces. I'm looking. I'm not looking at the back of your head. Guys, because I'm telling you, I don't want to just get up here and jump and shout. And I want you to understand why do we believe this? Where is this at in the word? Look at Matthew 24. Let's go back there. Show you another great prophecy that just coincides with everything I'm telling you. Matthew 24. Verse 9 through 14. Jesus said, again, this is the signs of the second coming. You will be arrested, persecuted, and killed and hated all over the world because you're my followers. I was talking to some friends, the new friends the other night and asking them, Pentecost, you know, hallelujah, Holy Ghost. And I just asked them a question. Did you guys shut down last year? Yeah, we did. You know, we really felt like the city was pressuring us. And guys, I'm like, I don't understand that. The Bible says one of the signs of the end times is you will be arrested, persecuted and killed. You don't get arrested for complying. You get arrested for not complying. Yeah. 
You don't get persecuted and killed for doing what they say. Well, you know, you went ahead and shut your church down, but we decided to arrest you anyways. No. This is talking about people that when the world comes and begins to dictate the church, you say, absolutely not. Who do you think that you are? Who do you think that you are? I'm the governor of what? I'm the mayor. Good for you. I heard a man of God once say, they said, man, you should, it was Jonathan Shuttlesworth, you should run for office. He said, why? That would be a demotion. Really, he said, being the president of the United States, it may be in the eyes of the world, it would look greater, but in the kingdom, it would be a demotion because nothing is greater than the servant of God. Nothing is greater than the governing force of planet Earth, which is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and the people that lead that. That's right. But Christians are so afraid to get involved. That's why we don't see it. We don't see the Bible realities in our communities because Christians are afraid to get political. Pastors are afraid to preach politically from their pulpits. Well, we're just getting it's election time and whoever you choose to vote for. Actually, how about this? If you vote for somebody that kills babies, don't bother coming back again unless you repent. Well, we can't say that. What if what if people don't, you know, what if there's not one person that they come and sit in our services and and hopefully if they just sit here for about three years, they'll finally get saved. Man, I'm telling you, you're doing something wrong. Nobody ever did that with Jesus. Jesus brought people to the point of confrontation. Here's the lie. I'm going to expose it. Now you decide what you're going to do with the truth. Take it or leave it. Well, Jesus, I really want to follow you, but I, I kind of have some other priorities in my life. What did Jesus say? Oh, no problem. Okay, go take care of it. No, he looked at him and said, I love you, but you're not fit for the kingdom and turned and walked away. You know, something that, that I've had to come to terms with is I, I love the word of God. I see it. I think I see it in, in, differently, not the word, just but what the Lord's doing. I see it so clearly what he wants to do. And as a pastor, it breaks your heart because you want people to get it. But you have to realize you can't make anybody do anything. You can't make people come to church. You can't make people put God first. You can't make people not get offended. You can't make people believe the word of God. You have to do that for yourself. You have to decide. So, Matthew 24 You'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers. Many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Guys, look at that. You'll be hated. Say hated. Hated. If you are not okay with being hated, you might as well get out of this thing right now. Because if you're going to try to convince yourself that somehow you can live in this end time generation and still be loved by the world and yet a passionate follower of Jesus Christ, you're fooling yourself. And if somehow you find yourself claiming to be a passionate follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and loved by the world at the same time, you're fooling yourself. I have seen people, I'm sure Brother Tanner can attest, we've seen people come out of the woodworks to just persecute and hate this ministry. I mean, it's crazy. It's astonishing. 
You're like, where did this person even come from? I've never even met you in my life. But can I tell you, because there's a spirit that hates the spirit of God. And if you have the spirit of God, Jesus said they hated me. Don't you think they'll hate you? Are you greater than your master? Are you greater than your master? So the church has to come to terms with dying to our popularity to the world. Y'all, I'm so sick of it. I'm nev- I don't ever want to compromise the word and compromise the gospel. We're going to talk about the, the kingdom proclamation. What is the message of the kingdom? We'll talk about that in a moment. But everything in church has shifted to try to be accepted by the world. Let's cut out the things of God and let's bring in the things of the world so that we can be accepted. Let's cut out prayer. Let's cut out, you know, we're going to worship. This is what we're going to do. We're going to put a click track on and we're going to play the three songs and as soon as they're over, next song, one, two, three. You know, most tape, they have those things in their ears. That's just telling them, okay, ready, glory of God, one. It's a voice that's literally clicking in. Like, where's the Holy Ghost in that? What are we doing? Putting on a Christian Broadway production. It's got to stop. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So he says, you'll be hated. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Look at that. Think about that. No. Oh, Lord, you know what? I just decided to quit church. 2020 came around and it got hard. I just decided I was going to church. We were moving and rocking and rolling, but then things got a little difficult and a little scary. So I just decided to quit. And we think we're going to stand before Jesus and him say, that's okay. I love you. No problem. The one who endures through the persecution, through the trials, through being hated by the world, through being drugged in the synagogues and before council members, the one that endures, that means they stand and don't give up, will be saved. I've had people pull us up on stages and, oh, this church... You know, great men of God, they stayed open and never compromised. And then all the Christians, oh, that's so great. And I'm literally like, I appreciate that. But really, I felt like I didn't have a choice. I didn't feel like it was my choice to make and I made the right one. You know, I really, I didn't feel, when I read the word, I didn't feel like we had a choice. Yeah, that's right. When you read things like this, how can you feel like you have a choice? Well, we're getting pressured a little bit. Really? Roll over, you know, Matthew 24, 37. It says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And look at this, verse 14. The good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it and then the end will come. So the Bible actually says that in the midst of persecution, in the midst of the world hating, that spirit, there's going to be what we just read in Acts chapter 2, an outpouring of the Holy Ghost where the gospel will be preached throughout the whole world. Hallelujah. Let me show you another note here. I want you to see this. I'm going to read it to you in the New King James. 
It says, in this gospel of the kingdom, this is really good, will be preached in all the world as a witness to the nations, and then the end will come. So this gospel, apparently whatever this gospel of the kingdom, let me ask you as a Christian, do you know what the gospel of the kingdom is? It's something that's very specific. The gospel of the kingdom will go forth in that time as a witness to all the nations. Say all the nations. nations. So let's define what's the gospel of the kingdom. What is that? Let me read this note. This is from the Dake Annotated Reference Bible. It says, when the gospel of the kingdom is preached again as a witness to all nations, this could only refer to the original gospel, including preaching, teaching, and healing as it began with Christ and the early church. It could not be an announcement of the coming kingdom for the people of the nations do do that now and pray daily, thy kingdom come. So look what he says. This clearly teaches another great outpouring of the Spirit and a revival of the original New Testament program in all fullness. So let's look at this. What is the Gospel of the Kingdom? Let me read you a few verses here. This is Matthew 4, 23-24. This is the Gospel. This is how Jesus preached the Gospel of the Kingdom. It says, Jesus traveled through the regions of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, and announcing the good news about the Kingdom. He went around teaching the good news, the Gospel of the Kingdom. Look what He did. And He healed, say healed, every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness, say whatever their sickness, or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. So what did the Gospel of the Kingdom look like? Jesus going around preaching, teaching, and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Guys, I'm telling you, part of this revival, this outpouring, there's going to be a mighty wave of healing that takes place. Healing all. Say all. All. Guys, we're coming out of the time where we've seen little miracles here and there. People's hearts getting touched. People's limbs getting touched. I'm talking about full-blown paralyzed people coming out of a seat. Full-blown people that are brain dead getting wheeled in on hospital beds, getting raised up by the power of the Holy Ghost. This was the ministry of Jesus Christ. It didn't matter what their sickness or disease was or the devil that was oppressing them. He healed them all every single time. This was the Gospel of the Kingdom. Let me show you more examples. Matthew 9.35 Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. And what did he do again? He healed every kind of disease and illness. Luke 14, 18 through 19. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Look what Paul said. Well, that was just Jesus, right? Now look what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.20. The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it's living by God's power. 
Look what it says in the New King James. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Say power. Hallelujah. So according to the Bible, Finnis Dake, make this note, that the gospel of the kingdom in the last days will go out as a witness to all the nations, as a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. So what are you going to see take place? A move of God that comes into the body of Christ where it spreads across the whole earth where people go out preaching, teaching, and healing every kind of disease. Hallelujah. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah. What an amazing time to be alive. I want to tell you, if you don't stir on the inside of you and you don't stop thinking about these little stupid things that don't matter and start fixing your eyes on God, how can I be used in that? How can I play a part in that? Here I am, Lord, send me. This clearly teaches another great outpouring of the Spirit and a revival of the original New Testament program in all of its fullness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what that means? It means God's, the, the body of Christ is stepping back into the book of Acts. That's right. Does that excite anybody? Yes. It, it, yeah, I, maybe. Y'all have told me, if we don't jump and shout, don't think we're not hearing you i got to remind myself of that. Because I'm the same way. Sometimes I'm listening to something good, and I mean, I'm getting it, but I'm, you know, I'm just listening. So, sorry. If I'm wrong for that, I'm sorry. Hallelujah. So I want you to go back to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to wrap up this sermon with a few more thoughts here. need to share a few things in my spirit. So I already began to talk, uh, talk about it, but you guys understand when you study revival throughout history, or I should say when you study great moves of God throughout history, and that's something that I've done ever since I was in Bible college. My favorite class was a class called Revivals in Church History. You know why? Because it just stirred on the inside of me. When I, when I studied a, the, the Protestant Reformation, my wife told me that. She said... You know, every year I teach on the Protestant Reformation of what happened on October 31st with Martin Luther. She said, honey, you just look like you come alive when you teach about that. And I said, yeah, because it just burns in my spirit. Revival burns in my spirit. I feel like we've been a part. If you're a part of this church, we've been appointed for such a time as this. Yeah, that's right. I study the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, the Azusa Street Revival, the Brownsville Revival, or the Welsh Revival. The, you, just, you go throughout the, the generals of the faith that something stirs on the inside of me. And when you study these things, you see God, God never does the same thing twice the same way. Jesus said, you can't put old wine into new wineskins. That's right. So what is the point of these meetings that we're even having this week? I want to tell you, God making us into new wineskins. 
Because many of you have been around the church for many years and you think a certain way, you think it's supposed to look a certain way, you have this idea in your head, and if you continue forward like that, you'll completely miss it because He can't put new wine in old wineskins. Jesus said it will actually cause them to burst. And the new, it'll, it'll cause the new wine to, to just fall out. It won't be able to hold it. The new wineskins won't be able to hold the wine that He's pouring out. So that means we can't come to God putting Him in a box. This is how you have to move, when you have to move, what it has to look like. Why does it have to look like that? Well, that's how Brother Hagin did it. Okay, this is a new move of God. Why does it have to look like that? Well, that's how Brother Jonathan does it. Wonderful. This is a new move of God. Why does it have to look like that? Well, that's how Dr. Rodney does it, right? It's a new move of God. You can't put new wine in old wineskins. So that's why we have to come and get in the Word of the Lord and allow the Lord to create in us a new wineskin. So He never does the same thing twice the same way. I'll say that. And also... Each move of God has a specific expression that God is trying to restore to the body of Christ. You know, when you look at the first great, a great awakening that took place in the 1700s in the United States, that's where mass uh, crusades really started. They came to the United States and church was always just in a little church building just like this. And God opened up the windows of heaven. And for the first time, you saw people building platforms and getting out into open fields and thousands of people showing up into open fields, which Jesus did that, right? Jesus did mass crusades everywhere he taught. Thousands of people followed him. But God restored that to the body of Christ. God took the church back to the ministry of Jesus Christ, how He did things. You saw that added to the church. What happened in the Azuzu Street Revival? Pentecost was added to the church. The church had grown religious and they had gotten away from being baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. And that was the entire expression of the Azusa Street. There was healings that took place and signs and wonders, but that was the main thing, was that you were to be baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. What happened in the voice of healing with Oral Roberts and Kenneth E. Hagin? God restored the ministry of healing back to the body of Christ. So you see throughout history, there's always an expression or characteristics of revival. And in Acts chapter 2, it actually gives us a description of what this is going to look like. But we've already talked about a few of them. We've already said... Everything good? We've already said, huh? Okay. We've already said, um, we'll figure that out after service. Let's just ask the Holy Ghost to come back in. Y'all do not worry about that right now. Listen to what I'm saying. We'll do it the Catholic way if we have to with a squirt gun. I'm just kidding. We won't do that. Totally kidding. <laughs> yeah. We'll just get a bowl and stroke it. No, we'll get it figured out. So it's going to look like the New Testament prescription where Jesus went around teaching. 
He went around. That was the gospel. That's what the Bible says, that the, that the gospel of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom will be a witness to all nations, preaching, teaching, healing. So we know in this next revival, it's going to look like preaching, teaching, healing. We know in this revival that we're stepping into that must take place before the return of Christ, that it's going to look like the day of Pentecost, but all over the whole. That means what churches are going to be pre- speaking in other tongues yeah. means if you don't like that, you're going to miss it. You're going to sit back with your arms crossed because you're so wise and religious and you're going to totally miss the greatest move of God that's ever happened on planet Earth. I don't like that. Well, miss it then. Miss it. Or get over it. And choose to accept the Bible. But I feel uncomfortable when I do that. Christianity is not about comfortable. I'm sure glad Jesus was not comfortable. He didn't just make His focus being comfortable. I know that sounds like a cliche, but really think about it. Jesus didn't make Himself comfortable. (laughs) He allowed Himself to be stripped down naked, beaten, beard plucked out of His face, crown of thorns shoved on His head, nailed to a cross. That's pretty uncomfortable. Well, I'm not really comfortable doing that. Well, get over yourself. Die to yourself. Or stay bound the rest of your life. Y'all, I'm so sick of it. I don't want to see any more Christians that come in and and, and you get a touch from God and then you just leave bound. We've got to start taking ground. We've got to start taking ground. And I'm going to get to that point in just a moment. I'm about to wrap this up. So what else is it going to look like? Look back at Acts 2.17. In the last days, God said, I'll pour out My Spirit upon all people. Say all people. One of the indicators are one of the significant things, expressions that we're going to see is that this thing's not just going to be led from pulpits. It's not going to be led by pastors, evangelists, preachers, apostles. It's going to be led through men and women who are Christians. Pentecost isn't just going to be confined to a church service. It's going to be people going out into society with the power of the Holy Ghost. And these shines shall follow those who believe. They will cast out devils. They'll speak in new languages. They can drink anything poisonous and it shall by no means harm them. They'll lay their hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. Yeah. That's what it's going to look like. Guys, I'm telling you, I love it. Invite people to church by all means, but can I tell you what this is talking about is when you go out and your block, your city, your neighborhood, your school gets transformed and wrecked by the power of the Holy Ghost, not because you invited them to someone else's service, because you allowed the Holy Ghost to use you and move through you, and God's going to change the world around us through you. Through you. Say, through me. I'll pour out my spirit upon all people, your sons and daughters, say men and women, women. will prophesy, say prophesy. Prophesy. One thing that God's pouring out is the spirit of prophecy. What I mean by that is that he's the Holy Ghost in the way of prophecy upon people. You better start believing God right now. It's his will that you prophesy. Start prophesying. Start prophesying over your own life. 
Start prophesying over your, your marriage. Start prophesying over your children. Heck, go to work and start prophesying to other people. The Lord. This is what the Lord says. I don't mean to put you on the spot, brother, but we just stu- stepped off the, sh- the, the stage and the Holy Ghost told me what you needed. Didn't have to ask you. Didn't have to beat around. I said, come up here, let me pray for you. And, and, and the Lord just did it. What if you did that at work? What if you stopped beating around the bush and being afraid and begin to radically encounter people with the power of the Holy Ghost? Let me pray for you. And I want to tell you, I've been asking God for strategy. In Texas, everyone's saved. They think everyone's saved. Yeah, I'm saved. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with a person that, let me minister Jesus to you? No, I'm actually a Christian. Really? You're a bound Christian if you're a Christian. There's a couple of demons we need to deal with right now if you're a Christian. But how do you do that? Well, I want to tell you, okay, you're a Christian. Let me ask you, is there anything wrong in your body? You have back pain, knee pain, joint pain, heart disease. Let me pray for you. And you're going to see healings taking place. Revival in this church looks like when people gather on Sunday morning not beat down and broke down. And just needing to line up for another prayer line for somebody else to lay hands on. You know, people, Christians coming in with testimonies. This is what the Lord has done all week long. Let me tell you about the people that have gotten saved at school this week. Let me tell you about the people that have gotten saved at Walmart. The people... Be led by the Holy Spirit and stop being afraid. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what the Bible says it's going to look like on all people. They'll prophesy. So believe that. Start believing God for visions. Believing God for dreams. Believing God. Do you have your hand raised? What? Numbers 11.29. Put it on the screen. But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put His Spirit upon all of them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what the Bible said in Acts 2. In the last days, I'll pour out my Spirit upon... I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. It's not talking about the people of the world. It's talking about the children of God. Christians walking in the anointing. Guys, we don't have pastors walking in the anointing, much less Christians walking in the anointing. That, I'm telling you, it's got to completely change. Christians walking in the anointing. And I'm going to get to my last part of my sermon. I'll give you two scriptures, Mark 16, 17. I quoted it, but I want you to see it yourself. Verse 15 of Mark 16. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Think about that. Preach that message of the kingdom. Preach, teach, and heal the sick. That's what he told his disciples to do as well. Well, our church really doesn't do that. Get out of that church. You're watching online. 
my church really doesn't. No, we don't really do that. Okay, get out of your church. Really, if everyone left, maybe the, the minister would humble themselves. But people, there's, so, there's people, guys, you're just bound to loyalty to relationships. Well, this is where my granddaddy went. My kids are going to go to hell because I won't get them in a Holy Ghost place, but my God, we're going to go where granddaddy went. How stupid is that? How stupid is that? Get your family around the Spirit of God. Go into all the world, he said. Preach. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany who? Those who believe. This is for every believer. This is going to get me to my next point in, in, in just a moment. But guys, can I tell you? We have to rise to a point, place where you don't need someone else praying for you all the time. You have to. You have to. If you're not an infant baby Christian, you have to get to that part, place. I'll actually go so far as to say this, and I believe it, that you will cross a, a bridge where when you were a first new you know, baby infant believer, pastor's touch, pastor's prayer, or the man of God's prayer worked. But you cross a line where it's like it just doesn't seem to work anymore. Why? Because you have got to get faith and receive the promises of God for yourself. You have got to ascend higher in your faith and begin to possess the promises of God. These signs shall follow those who believe. They'll cast out demons in my name and they'll speak in new languages. You know that you can cast out demons. Did you know that? You can lay your hands on people and say, come out in Jesus' name with a simple command. And when you use that name, with the authority that you have as a believer, it comes out. People get set free. Come out in Jesus' name. Tell you, some of y'all, as our kids get older, you may have to cast the devil out of your children. No, I'm serious. No, let's go take them to counseling and let's get our 12-year-old on antidepressants. They're so depressed. No, how about you become a Christian and lay your hands on them and say, in the name of Jesus, this devil comes out now. What if that's just weird? Yeah, your kids would think it's weird because they don't see you living for Jesus six days a week. That's right. Wow, dad's the biggest sinner I've ever met in my life. But now all of a sudden he's trying to cast the devil out of me. Yeah, they're going to scoff at you like you're an idiot. Unless you really believe and you really walk it out at home. That's right. They'll cast out demons, they'll speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. They'll drink anything poisonous. It won't hurt them. Hallelujah. Did you know that it's God's will for every Christian to walk in divine health? If you're a Christian, you don't have to die prematurely. 
You could drink something poisonous and it won't harm you. There's actually a level of faith that we can rise to. Where though a thousand fall at our side and ten thousand die around us, these evils won't touch us. Well, we got to shut down. We got to protect the flock. We got to use wisdom. There's COVID 19. If I can drink venom and it won't kill me, I'm pretty sure I can go to church and the a virus with a 99.6% recovery rate is not going to kill me. And if it kills me, then I'm going, I'm going straight to heaven and I'm going to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I needed to have more faith, but I'm in heaven now, so hallelujah. People get offended by that. You mean to tell me that if I just had faith, I could be healed? Yes. I'll just ask you, you guys, and I'm telling you this. This is seriously, I'm, this is just for a teaching purpose. How many of you have I ever contacted and said, I'm really having some problems in my body and I want you to stand in agreement with me? Has anybody in this room ever received a text from me or a call from me in that way? No, and you never will. Because when the Lord, when things come against me, I use my faith and I get victory over it. Yeah, right. I can't imagine Jesus doing that. I can't imagine Jesus pulling the twelve together. Guys, just lay hands on me. I want you all to surround me and lay your hands on me. And as Christ is, so are we. Not so am I, so are we. Say we. We, we are a royal priesthood. We are ambassadors of heaven. We carry the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. Not me, we do. As Christians, we do. As Christ was, so am I. Say that to yourself, so am I. And it says they'll be able to handle snakes and poison won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. You Carry the authority to heal the sick as a Christian. So start stepping out in faith. Start stepping out on a limb in faith. If your family member is sick that's not saved, pray for them. If you have an unbelieving family member that just doesn't believe and they're bound, I want to tell you what will change their mind. A miracle will change their mind. Yeah. You could say, well, they're sin. I can't pray for them to be healed. They're sinners. That's not how Jesus operated. Jesus actually told his disciples, freely, as freely as you have received, freely give. Yeah. What does that mean, freely? That means it doesn't matter if they're a sinner. God will still heal their body. That's right. You know, they could get healed and go to hell, though. That's true. You know, but I was actually reading where Jesus went around and did miracles throughout several cities and did all these healings and then he says that he prayed and he denounced all of those cities. Why? Because they didn't repent after he healed. After he did miracles. They didn't lose their miracle. They just got denounced by Jesus Christ. And honestly, you know, he said they'll be, they'll be in hell. Their fate is worse than Sodom and Gomorrah because if I would have done these miracles in Sodom, they would have repented. So, all you can do, walk in the power. Lay hands on your family members. Lay hands on your friends at school. Believe God to touch their bodies and heal them. 
And, and if they don't repent, that's not on you. Are y'all with me? I'm going to finish this up with this. Acts 1.8 says this. You shall receive power, say power, power, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. I love what our evangelist said last Sunday. He said, guys, there's two kind of sections of Christianity right now. And then there's, there's three, but like the, the third section is like a 1%. It's not a lot of people. Half of the church, or I should say more than half, probably like 70% of the church right now completely rejects the Holy Ghost. He's not allowed to move in our services. You're not allowed to speak in tongues. You're not allowed to give a word. You're not allowed to do any of those things. We don't want to freak anyone out. He's not allowed. They've banished the Holy Ghost from, from the church. Okay. There's another section that hasn't banished the Holy Ghost, but this is what our evangelist said. All we do is get together and have spiritual gift exchanges. Well, let's come in here and get a touch and hallelujah, a giggle and, and receive so much from the Lord. That's great. That's wonderful. But if we don't walk out of these doors and our community begins to actually change, all it is is a spiritual gift exchange. You don't receive power to get a tickle from God and to get a laugh from God. You shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Say witnesses. What do you receive the power of God to do? To go witness to people about Jesus Christ. To go and preach and teach and heal the sick. Every Christian, preach, teach, heal the sick. If you're a Christian, get on your Facebook. Start preaching. Start teaching. Start praying for people to be healed. Stop relying on another person. Stop relying on a pastor. Hey, let me just invite you to church so you can hear them minister. Well, at least you're doing that, if we're even doing that. But you know what would be better? You become a minister of the Gospel. You become an ambassador of heaven. Hallelujah. The Lord told me this. And I'm going to end with this. It says, you have, He told me this yesterday. He said I needed to say it this morning. He said, you have to get free before you can set others free by the power of God. This is what we need revival in the church for. You have to get free before you can set other people free. Here's a principle in the Scripture. It says this in Matthew 10, 5-8. Jesus sent out the twelve with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or Samarians, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give freely as you have received. You have to receive before you can give. If you don't receive, you have nothing to give. You can't give something you don't have. Acts 3.6, Peter said to the cripple, Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I'll give you I'll give you what I have. Another translation says, but what I have, I give unto you. I'll give you what 
I have. You can only give somebody what you have. The Lord told me it's time for our faith to come up higher. Think of, put, put these things together. Jesus said in Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. In Acts 1.8, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. That means if I'm a child of God, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me just like it was Christ. To do what? To preach the good news about the kingdom. To set at liberty those that are held captive. To open the eyes of the blind. To bind up the brokenhearted. That's what you've been anointed by God to do. Not just sit around and read the Bible and get a bunch of spiritual knowledge and become a spiritual useless theologian that can talk about the Bible. Great. Let's stop just talking about it. Let's start doing it. But he said, we have to come up higher. You can't cast out devils if you're filled with the same devil. These signs will follow those who believe. They'll cast out devils. If you're bound by devils, you'll never cast a devil out. You go talk to that devil, lay your hands on it, the devil will look, right, look at you in the face and say, what are you talking about? You were just playing with me yesterday. Yeah. You were playing with me last week and now you're trying to cast me out today? It doesn't work that way. How are you going to set somebody free from addiction if you're bound in addiction? Well, you know what? This person's got a meth addiction. I'm going to pray for them. You think there's going to be power when you got an addiction to sugar? You got an addiction to smoking? You got an addiction to whatever, whatever else? You have to get free before you can ever set another person free. Freely I receive, so freely I give. What I have, I'll give to you. You can't heal the sick if you're sick all the time. You guys, can I just tell you something that's true? And, I, and, and the Lord told me this humbly. He said, if your faith don't work for you, it's not going to work for anyone else. That's right. I told a bunch of our Bible college kids that always want to jump on and Facebook argue, you know, speak against our ministry. And, and anyways, I just said, guys, like, why don't we just take some humility? You believe all of these things. That's great. What has it produced for you? I don't really think I think that the church, I think that LGBT and you have all these thoughts. Wonderful. But yet you're still 30 working at Starbucks, graduated from Bible college. Obviously, all your little thoughts have produced absolutely nothing for you. If your faith doesn't work for you, it won't work for anybody else. If you can't get free yourself, you can't get anyone else free. If you can't get healed yourself, you can't get anyone else healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I want you all to just lift your hands to heaven. Lord, we're just preparing the way, as you told me to do. We're preparing the way for the move of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every word that was sown, the, the Lord's already sown the word. That's what we just did for the last hour and a half was sow the word of God. Now it's come into your life. And now you determine what you do with the word right now. I want you to just receive the word. Lift your hands to heaven and receive this word in your spirit. Lord, don't let this word be choked out by the rocks or by the thorns, the cares of this life, the lure of wealth, the worries of this life. 
Don't let the devil snatch this seed of the Word of God. Lord, let my heart be fertile soil that this Word would go and land and produce 30, 60, and 100 times what is sown. Lord, that this would not just become a bunch of thoughts and ideas, but this would produce something in my life in Jesus' name. Thank You for power from heaven. Thank You for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Thank You that I can heal the sick. I can cast out devils. I can do what Jesus did. Thank You, Lord, that I shall prophesy and Your Spirit is poured out upon me to be a witness for You in this last time generation in the mighty name of Jesus. We declare our city will be saved. Our city will be healed. Angelina County will experience a move of God. There's no devil in hell that is strong enough to, to hold back what the Word of God has already declared. He said, my Word never returns void. It always accomplishes what it was set forth to accomplish. This will happen in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Do you receive that Word this morning?
Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.